Well, um, Apollo, fantastic job, sir. Where'd you disappear to? Oh, he went with them to help next door. Fantastic job on the base, right? It was amazing. You know, a few years ago, before we moved out here, uh, my children were given the opportunity to take piano lessons from one of our uh, church members there in, in the church in Louisiana. And so they got kind of serious. Amelia, in particular, got kind of serious about playing. And so I talked to my, my worship leader, Danny, and I asked him, I said, give me some advice. If I were going to get a piano for the house, what should I do? He said, well, I'm going to give you uh, the best advice I can give you. He said, buy a digital electric piano. I said, why? He said, three reasons. Number one, headphones. <laughs> number two, headphones. And number three, headphones. And so when we, we followed his advice, we got that for her. And then when Taylor started um, showing any interest, I bought a bass guitar and I bought this thing you could plug into it that would play through his headphones. And then the, uh, Stephen and Luke thought that they might want to learn how to play the drums, so I bought them electric drums to play at home. And then we bought them acoustic drums to play here, so I don't have to hear them because I don't have headphones for those. And so um, watching our teenagers jump in and serve God in worship is an awesome thing. I'm really, really excited about how God is working in that way. And so pray for them. Um, it's not without some challenge to do that, and it's definitely not without fear. And so it's very appropriate for them to sing this morning that we're not slaves to fear. We don't have to be bound up by the fear that would keep us. And so if you don't think it's something that would, would make you afraid, you're welcome to come try next week. Uh, you can get a microphone or an instrument and join us on the stage. Seriously, if you, have a, if you have a talent and a gift, talk to Taylor. And so that we can use the worship abilities of our congregation as we serve God together. Um. We've talked about this year, this idea of clarity, and that that's kind of our focus all year long, and God does amazing things. So last year, um, I was watch, reading something towards the end of the year, and it talked about how this particular scenario played out, and, and the theme of the article that I was reading was basically like, well, they just pressed on. They just kept going. And I thought, how cool is that? And so I noticed press on several times through the course of the year. Do you know what keeps popping up this year now? Clarity. Every time I turn around, this idea of clarity seems to be popping up in things that I'm reading and things that I'm seeing. Maybe it's just because I'm aware of it because it's on my mind. But I really think it's a huge need for us as believers, for us as a church, to be clear, to be crystal clear about what we believe and how we stand and where we stand and what, what that means for us. That doesn't mean that we take the Word of God and, and we beat Him over the head with it like we, you know, in the old days people had the 17-pound the King James Version Bible. The 1811 was actually 18 pounds, 11 ounces, or 1611, 16 pounds, 11 ounces. And so you just hit somebody over the head with it till they got saved. That doesn't work. But it does mean that if you're going to live your life for, for Jesus, if you're going to shine the light of Christ bright, brightly in the community in which you live, you probably ought to know why you believe what you believe. And you probably ought to have a firm understanding of how that impacts what you do and what you say in each step of the way, because frankly, the world's seen enough hypocrites in the church. We've, we've displayed hypocrisy long enough, and so we need to be honest with ourselves, and we need to be honest with them about what we're really about. We, we started off this year, that kind of coming in and out there, we started off this year being very, very unapologetic about the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is the only way to salvation. There are, there are no other ways. 
And we are going to proclaim that from the top of the, our, our lungs, as long as God gives us breath, that there is no other name under which heaven, uh, under heaven whereby men may be saved except the name of Jesus. We're going to proclaim that because it's the truth, and we need to be willing to share the truth with all that we can. We also have talked about um, understanding our role and what, what we're supposed to be doing and, and how that fits in and everything and, you know, uh, who does, who's the leader, who's the follower, and we know that God is the director. He is the one that sets the stage for us. He tells us what we're supposed to be doing, when we're supposed to be doing it. And it's our job to fulfill the role that he's given to us, and that's to share the gospel with people. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about another area that we need to be clear about, and that is, what are we responsible for? I mean, uh, God put Daybreak Baptist Church on Panama, or on Taft Highway on Panama. I'm confusing people already, Brother Jim. I wasn't even here when y'all were Panama. He put us right here in the Panama community on Taft Highway. And he put us here because he has a purpose for us here. Now, back then when the church was put here, it, it wasn't to reach the fields around us because the fields were just fields. But now there's a different kind of field around us. A lot of people, a lot of hearts that need to know about his love. And so is, our, is the scope of our ministry, is our responsibility that God has given us, does it just basically extend right here? What, what does that look like? I mean, how do, we, how do we determine where we're responsible to reach? I mean, can we say that if, it, if, they, if, if someone is south of, of Rosedale Highway and if they're, if they're west of 99, if they're in the southwest part of Bakersfield, can we say then that that's our zone of responsibility? I don't know. Or do we say that what God would hold us responsible for is much more than that? I think we need to look at Scripture and determine that instead of deciding it ourselves. So Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, you're going to say, well, that's a weird place to do this. You can go to Acts chapter 1, and then you've got the, the great commission that God sent, or the great, yeah, great commission God sends us out. Um, where, where are we going to find the words to this? Well, we're going to start with Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at our example because I told you at the beginning of the year, rather than just reading about narratives and rather than just reading about um, in, the, in the epistles, the, the message that God showed to the church of how to live their life, I want to look at what Jesus said and what Jesus did this year. I want to look in detail at some of the things that he said and did. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Would you stand in honor of his word this morning? Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place, and he was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. He said to them, let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for letting us see how you chose to live out the life that God called you to do here, how you followed the will of your Father how you listened to his words and you spoke what he said and how you were willing to be obedient even to the point of death. Lord, help us to follow you as you followed your Father. For it is in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. 
So when you think of what the scope that God has called the church to, what comes to your mind? When you think of, okay, where do my responsibilities, where do our corporate responsibilities lie as a, as a body of believers? Now, obviously, we're spread out. We have people that live way in the north, northwest part of town, way up there, Miss Jenny. We have people that live like within almost baseball throwing distance of the church. We have people that live down on the south side below Taft Highway that have giant farms with animals everywhere and horses to ride. The Goins live down there. We have people that live in apartments. Corey lives in an apartment complex. There's people all around Corey there. We have people who live in neighborhoods and in trailer uh, mobile home parks, trailer parks, whatever you want to call them. We have people that live all kinds of different scenarios and all kinds of different circumstances. And so each of you have your own individual responsibilities, but as a church, as Daybreak Baptist Church, as a corporate body, what is the scope of ministry that God has given us? What are we responsible for, and how do we fulfill what God would ask us to do? Well, you know, one of the most important considerations when you're, when you're dealing with a company or any kind of an organization is understanding your target customer, your target audience. Who is it that you're aiming for? as well as the possibilities of growth. How do you grow that? And so when we think about who we can influence and who we can impact, we start with the idea that we do what Jesus did. And what do we see Jesus doing here in this passage? Well, first of all, Jesus ministered at home. If you read in the passage, you'll understand that Jesus was in the town of Capernaum when all this began. And you say, Capernaum, how is that Jesus' home? Well, if you read the Gospels, it becomes very clear very quickly how much time Jesus spent in and around Capernaum. And, and I want to tell you, I had a whole big pl- plan to show you today. I had, I had a, a, a map up here, and I was going to show you some cities, and I was going to talk about all those things. Um, Jesus spent a lot of time around Capernaum. None of my presentation worked. So you're just going to have to imagine it with me, okay? So Jesus is in this town of Capernaum, and he's in there. Uh, Ma- uh, Matthew, in all likelihood, was from Capernaum. Did you realize that? And Peter and James and Andrew and John, five of the 12 disciples came from this one little town. Small village, it's on the, south, uh, on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. It's just a little fishing village. It's right down on the water. Um, the houses are as cramped as you could possibly imagine in the old town. When you walk through it, you see how, as Jesus would be making his way through the streets, how he would encounter so many people because there was no way to avoid them. This was the place that Jesus spent a large portion of his ministry. In fact, you could probably find somewhere around 30 to 40% of his time was spent right here in Capernaum. Now imagine that. That's a lot of time for him to spend in one small village there around the Sea of Galilee. You see, very near to the Sea of Galilee, other little towns like Bethesda, which is to the northeast of that. And then you see uh, Magdala, Mary Magdalene. We had the chance to go to Magdala while we were there. Mary Magdalene was from the town of Magdala, which was about oh, halfway down the Sea of Galilee on the western side. And so there's this, this arc of cities all around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus spent a tremendous amount of time ministering to people. It was his home. It was who he was familiar with. It was the people that, that he knew. And so he was ministering there, and it says that when he left from there and he went 
on in, in verse uh, 39, he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee. So his home people were not only where they were, but they were also Jewish people. And so he ministered there where he was, and he ministered um, to the people that he had something in common with. And I want you to understand something. There are many opportunities that you and I have to impact our community right here where we sit. I have the, the opportunity or the blessing to live just less than a quarter of a mile from the church. If you haven't been to our home, you need to come by one day. Not right now because it's a mess. But you need to come by one day. It's just right around the corner. And my children, of course, go to the, the local school here, Stone Creek. The youngest ones go to Stone Creek, and Stephen goes to Independence. And so I have the honor every day when I leave my house to have to fight through the 47 school buses <laughs> that pick up kids around here. I'm joking. There aren't 47. There are only 46. <laughs> it's amazing. You wouldn't believe. The bus that Luke and Karis ride, how many stops do y'all make? Like three stops? Four stops, fill up the whole bus in four stops. It's amazing how many kids. They're everywhere. The opportunities to reach people right here around us are amazing. And you, your community that you live in could be the geographic boundaries that you're surrounded by. And so right here where we are, we could think of maybe in our minds, we, we think of the area closest to the church as, as the, the center part of who we are and, and we have to reach these people and we need to share the gospel with them. But it could also not just be geographic boundaries, but, but also social boundaries. There are people around us that are like us and there are people around us that aren't like us. And so it's always easier for us to reach people who are like us because we're most comfortable with that, Right? And so if somebody talks like you, and, and maybe they're from Oklahoma, or maybe they're from Louisiana, they might have some sausage, or from Arkansas, you know, we, we need to realize who we are. We're, we're a church of people that most of us aren't from here. Our families aren't from here. This isn't the, the main thrust of where we've come from. And so we have people around us that are just like us that we can reach. Ministry where you are is ministry at home. Where you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, is ministry at home. And Jesus modeled that for us in that everywhere he went, ministry was what he was involved in. He was trying to, to touch people's lives. He was telling them about the love of the Father. He was helping them in the midst of their circumstances where they were struggling. He was ministering to them in their place. And so if we say that the scope of our ministry at home is Kern County, what did that look like? Well, here, I'm going to share something with you. It's an amazing thing. We are blessed to be part of the Kern County Southern Baptist Association. Dr. Bennett is here. That's not a shameless plug for you. I did it on purpose. We have about 60 churches that are part of the Kern County Southern Baptist Association. The last time I asked you, there was about 16,000 members of those churches, right? So I did a little math, and I learned something pretty amazing, Jim. If every member of Southern Baptist churches in this county, in Kern County itself, if each one of our members would talk to one person per week about Jesus Christ, in the course of one year, we would share the gospel, or we would share the, the story of Christ with 832,000 people. If we all just talk to one person every week. How many people are in Kern County? 839,000. Think about that for a moment. In one year, we could tell everyone about Jesus Christ if we would just talk to one person a week. Think about that. 
It seems like a huge number, 839,000. But when we get obedient to the Lord and we realize the scope of the ministry God's given us, it is possible for us to tell every single person in Kern County about Jesus this year. Not us as a church individually, but as, as an association working together, we could do that. And so the opportunities that we've been given here at home are amazing. If we talk to all 832,000 in Kern County that, that we would get if we just did one a year, how many different cultures would we talk to? How many different religions would we encounter? How many different faith backgrounds or no faith backgrounds would we encounter? Do you realize the impact that we could make for the world right here from Kern County if we just ministered at home? And so Jesus is ministering at home in this passage to the point that he has to go take a nap. He's he got to get away from him. And so Jesus has gone away. He's secluded. He went away and he was praying. Simon and his companions said, hey, wait, there's still more to do. Come back, come back. There's always that opportunity. So how can you get involved locally? Well, how about getting involved in what's called age-graded ministry? What do I mean by that? Somebody had to go minister with the kids in choir today. Did you notice I said what ages, six through, uh, or kindergarten through sixth grade? That's age graded. It means there's a, a limit there or, or a target there that you're reaching. And so you could get involved in age graded ministries. You could be working in the nursery. Miss Lois, would you, would you welcome a couple of extra nursery workers that were willing to give their time? You could work with, you could work with children. You, I don't want to change any diapers. Okay, we got some that don't have diapers. You could work with children. Pastor Corey, could you find a place for some children's workers? You could? Sure? Okay, just making sure. You could work with teenagers. <laughs> you could. You, they're back there going, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Corey, could you find some places for youth workers? As long as they didn't have a strong sense of smell. Yeah, you can't. Your, your smell's got to kind of ignore that you, you could work with college age there are college age in our church that could use someone to minister to them you could work with, with young adult families that are, that are trying to figure out how to live this life out. there are opportunities for you to serve Pastor Leon are there opportunities in the senior adult ministry for people to serve of course there are and so you might say, well, I don't feel comfortable changing diapers. Well, that's okay. We've got all the spectrums. What is your excuse now? Age-graded ministries. There's social ministries. How could you be involved in ministry right here at home? We have a, uh, several different opportunities for social ministries. One of those is our Waste, Hunger, Not Food distribution that we did just a couple of weeks ago. Twenty-some-odd families came. And our church did stand up and, and come out and support that. Are there opportunities for, and, a, and places for other people to serve there? Absolutely there are. You could be involved in that. So other social ministries that we're doing. We have a, a tremendous ministry where we do quilts. And on the back table back there, right now we have two quilts. One for a baby and one for a man. We do those quilts and share the love of Christ by giving those quilts out. And as we give those quilts out, we pray over them. And you can be a part of that. You may be, I can't sew. Listen to me, I understand. I really do. I don't even know which side of the sewing machine I'd start on. But I can pray over those quilts before they're given out. And I can pray for the lives that are impacted by those quilts. And if you've ever received one of the quilts from our quilt ministry, you know it matters. 
It's an impact in your lives. Social ministries, there are opportunities here. You may say, I'm not really good at talking to people. That's okay. There are ways for you to serve God right here if that's not who, who you are today. But what are we doing to serve God here? Because the scope of our ministry starts here at home, and if we're not serving here, we're not doing what God wants us to do. Well, there's teaching ministries. I know everybody wants to sign up for that, right? Who's not teaching right now that's ready to sign up today? Wow. Isn't that amazing? I thought all of you were going to raise your hand. Everybody likes public speaking, don't they? No, they don't. But let me tell you something. The lessons that God's given you, you can communicate to others. You can tell the story of what God's done for you. And you can make a difference in the lives of others. We could always use teachers. There's physical things that need to be done. We had a work day yesterday, and some of our men came out here, and, and they worked, and they did a great job. Some, some of our ladies came out here. They worked, and they did a great job. There's always things to be done. If you're ever... I made the mistake. Y'all probably never did this, but I made the mistake when I was a child of telling my mom I was bored during the summer. <laughs> don't tell your pastor you don't have anything to do. Because I can find you something. There's plenty of things that need to be done. The opportunities to serve are obvious all around us. And if you understand the scope of the ministry, that within just Kern County, there are 839,000 people that need to know about the love of Christ, then you will find a way to plug into something right here locally so that you can make a difference. Because guess what? If any of those people die without Jesus Christ, they spend eternity separated away from him in, in a place called hell. And we have the message, we have the answer for that. And so, serving here at home, Jesus ministered at home. He demonstrated it for us. Whatever aspect of ministry that he's calling you to, you've got to know what the scope of it is. It's not just teaching a class so that that's done this week. It's teaching a class because someone in that class is going to hear the truth of the gospel, and maybe one day they're going to go home and talk to their grandmother about it. Right, Miss Louise? And they're going to hear, and they're going to say, wait a minute, that really registered in me. And so we do it because it touches lives. So as you serve God locally, who are you touching? How is it impacting them? Then the next thing that happens in this passage is kind of curious. They go and look for Jesus. They're trying to find him. They, they find him off in prayer, and he's, he's doing his prayer time. And, and they say, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. There's all kinds of things to be done here. And you would expect Jesus to get up and go do whatever needed to be done there, right? But that's not what he did. Look at what it says in verse 39. Or verse 38. He says, let us go somewhere else. Let's get up and leave this place. So Jesus ministered at home, but Jesus also ministered away from home. Now I've been told, and I hope that you haven't said this, but if you have, you need to think about the implications of what you've said. I've been told by people in the past, why should we go somewhere else and serve God? There are plenty of people right here. Because Jesus did. Because Jesus demonstrated for us the need to step out of our comfort zone. Jesus knew that the scope of ministry included those who were not so easy to reach. And so I said a while ago, it may be that as you're ministering to the community around you, you find somebody from Oklahoma like you, or from Louisiana like me, or from Arkansas like you. It may be that you find someone from a whole other part of the world. 
And as you minister to them, sometimes that can be an uncomfortable reality. Because you have to expose yourself to things that you didn't know and learn. And you have to put in some extra effort. Jesus knew that the scope of ministry included those who were not easy to reach. There are some people around us that are not easy to reach. And if you go out and talk to people in this community, it won't take you long to find people that they don't start from the same assumptions that you and I start from. They don't start from the same understandings that you and I start from. They don't, they don't understand that there's a need in their heart. They don't understand why they have that emptiness. They don't understand that there's a God in heaven who loves them intimately and individually. They don't understand the idea that you could actually have a relationship with the only God who really exists. They don't get that. They've never been exposed to that. It's completely different. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't share. Jesus left where the people were, where people were coming to him. He said, no, let's go somewhere else. Now, I talked to you about Kern County a while ago. California's population is estimated to be about 39 million people. At that rate, if we had one gospel presentation for every SBC church member in California, it would take us about six years to share the gospel. Do you realize how big the scope of ministry has gotten? We went from sharing the gospel with everyone in Kern County in a year to taking six years if we all are faithful one time a week. That's the number of people all around us right now that need to know that God loves them. Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to be willing to say to them that there is hope to be found in Jesus Christ. If you take it across the whole United States, the news is a little bit better. It's a little less than three years for us to share the gospel with everyone. How long did Jesus spend in his ministry? Three years. In three years, Southern Baptist, if we were faithful to share the gospel with one person every week, in three years we could tell the entire country about Jesus' love. That's if none of them got saved and, and joined us. Do you realize that though the scope is huge, that's not an unreasonable thing for God to ask of us? I don't think it's an exceptional request that we would tell somebody every week about Jesus. I don't think that's something that's far-fetched that you would be able to do that. In fact, I think it's an expectation that ought to be part of all of our lives. Lord, today, show me today how I can bring glory to your name, how I can tell someone of your love. Think about what God's done for you and let that spill out. But understand understand the scope of our ministry. Though that person may not be next door, that does not mean we do not bear responsibility before God to do what we can to bring the gospel to everyone. And we're going to see that very clearly in a few moments. So ministry often means leaving our comfort zones. Sometimes it means stepping out geographically into a situation that's completely different. Sometimes that means going across the street. Sometimes that means going across town. Sometimes it means going across the state. Sometimes it means going across the world. But we've been given the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. We, we talked about in Sunday school this morning in Deuteronomy how God even says it in, in, in Deuteronomy, how what other nation out there has a God like yours? That's what he told the Israelites. 
What other religion out there, what other faith out there has a God like yours? What other, what other body of belief says that God did not expect you to become like him? He came to become like you so that he could change you into his image. That he would come and die for you. Not that you had to do enough to be good enough for him, but that he would come and make you good enough. What other religion out there teaches that? None. They all say, do, 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 do. Become, 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 become. And sooner or later, if you work hard enough, at the end of the day, you might get there. No, Jesus said, trust me, believe in me, have faith in me, and I will change you from the inside out. Nobody else has that. We should be sharing that around the world, everywhere we can. And so that means maybe leaving our geographic comfort zone. Maybe it means leaving our age comfort zone. Anybody like changing diapers? I like the fact that they get changed. <laughs> Somebody's got to change a diaper once in a while. And it means stepping out and doing something that maybe you're not comfortable with. Maybe it means doing something that makes you a little bit uh, nervous. And you're like, oh, I don't know, man. This is a ba- That might get on my hands. Maybe that means young people. Going to some senior adult in our church and saying, how can I serve you? Is there some, do you need your yard cleaned up? Do you need light bulbs changed? Maybe that means crossing over boundaries that age would put up and say that, that we're willing to serve. Maybe that means empty nesters, that you take a young family under your arms and you say, I want to walk with you through the hardest part of your life right now when your kids are driving you crazy. It means leaving your comfort zone. Maybe it means crossing socioeconomic barriers. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do is minister to people that had a whole lot of money. This is very hard. It's easy to minister to people like me that don't have a lot of money because we realize what it's like to be broke. We know what it's like to be at the end of the month and have a month and no money. But sometimes you've got to be able to cross those economic barriers. And say, I'm going to serve people who are not like me because I want them to know the truth of the gospel. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not easy to share the gospel. I tried to talk to my doctor last week. It's not easy. He doesn't have that need. He thinks. But you've got to share the gospel. Ministry that takes place away from your normal environment Lead you, discover, lead you to discover something about God's purpose in your life. I know it says the God's purpose in your life, but God's purpose in your life. When you step out of your comfort zone, when you get away from ministry and, and things that you're familiar with, and you do like Jesus did, and you go out into other places, and, and you follow people where they are, you go to where other people are, you all of a sudden realize how dependent you are upon God, and when God shows up, it changes things in your heart. I'll never forget when I went to Ukraine. There the very first day that we're going to have the kids, and I'm supposed to teach a Bible study. And we're a bunch of teenagers, and there's two groups, a boys' group and a girls' group, and there's like 19 or 20 teenage girls. That's my first group. And I'm just the very first time I've been around them, and I don't know any Russian at all, and they speak Russian. And I have a translator. We get to the place where we're supposed to teach, and there's not enough chairs for everybody. And so 
I don't know where the chairs are. So my translator jumps up to go get the chairs. Well, now I'm left with 19 or 20 Russian teenagers. And I speak redneck. (laughs) Redneck and Russian, they both start with R, but they're nothing alike. And we're sitting there, and I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me. And I feel very awkward, Miss Louise. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm waiting for my translator. And so finally I said, we'll take a chance here, Brother Corey. We'll step out in faith. Do any of you speak English? Yeah, we all do. (laughs) I'm sitting there in the most awkward moment. I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, and we're both waiting for somebody to speak. And in that moment, God had already delivered, and I didn't even know it. In those moments where you're uncomfortable, you discover something about God that you never knew was possible. And you know what? That created a connection that lasted the entire week because they could laugh at me all the time as if there weren't other reasons. And just stepping out. Now I'm not telling you God's telling you to go to Ukraine tomorrow. But I'm telling you that if you step out out of your comfort zone and you take that step to minister to someone outside of the norm, you're going to be shocked when God shows up and how he works. When you get out of your box and you serve in an unusual or uncomfortable place, God stretches you. So Jesus left from the town that he was in. In verse 38, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. See, clarity helps you. Because it helps you understand why you're even here. And Jesus knew the scope of his ministry wasn't just to serve people that were around him. It wasn't just to serve people that were like him. It wasn't even just to serve people that he could walk to. The scope of Jesus' ministry was to preach the gospel wherever he was. Because he understood that the world is his mission field. And our mission field is the world. We should be making a difference around the world. This is what he says in Acts 1, where I could have gone to begin with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Unless you think that was aimed just at the disciples who were there, this is for all of us. This wasn't the 11 plus 1. This was all of us. Everyone who was there was given that commandment. We should go and tell people about Christ. Daybreak's involved in ministry around the world. Just last year, we sent people to Panama. Mrs. Mrs. Carroll went to Panama. She came back, she told us about how she shared the gospel with people in Panama as she was working with them teaching English. This past year, we had a team that went to Israel, and we shared the gospel there in Israel. We've sent Amelia overseas. She went to Nicaragua, right? To share the gospel there. We've sent people around the world. We are doing that. We're also sending money around the world. Our missions offering that we collect every time we have a missionary come, that money gets spread around to missionaries around the world. And it makes a difference. Our personal discipleship makes a difference. You can minister to people around the world from right where you are. You know what? Technology is bad in a lot of ways, but there's some good uses for technology. I told you I went to Ukraine. It's been almost 10 years, Corey, since I went to Ukraine. It'll be 10 years this summer. 
It's an amazing thought. Do you know that 10 years later, I'm still discipling some of those kids on Facebook and on the, over the Internet? 10 years later. Because I don't have to be in their presence anymore. I have the ability from thousands of miles away to still share the gospel with them. To sh- still share the truth of scriptures. And so do you. And so personal discipleship, there are opportunities that exist for you to be involved. And Daybreak's involved in ministry all over the world through our cooperative efforts. As I said earlier, when you give to our church, part of that money goes around the world. We have, imp- we have missionaries serving all over. Almost 5,000 international missionaries, close to 4,000 um, North American missionaries. And you're a part of that. They would not be there if it were not for your gifts. We serve through prayer. You know, we often say, well, I'll pray for you. Without realizing that there is no greater thing you can do. Than to lift up those who are serving God around the world. And pray. And pray. And pray. I often wondered like probably you. Why, when they came and got Jesus in this passage and said everybody's looking for you, was his immediate response to say, well, let's go somewhere else then? I mean, kind of odd, isn't it? Until you think about what Jesus saw because he saw the world differently than we did. Another passage in Matthew 9, it says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus didn't look out into the world around him and think there's some church members that we could get to come to our church. There's some people out there that would come, and and if they came, then maybe they would help with some of the stuff that we're already doing. And and maybe if they gave a little bit, it would cut down on some of the amount of money I'd have to give, or maybe we'd be able to do a little bit more. And and if they came, then maybe the sanctuary would feel more full. And and that's why we need to get them to come to our church. So we're going to go talk to them because we want them to come to our church and be a part of our church because it's a good thing for people to be in a church, right? We all agree with that. It's a good thing for people to be in a church. It's a good thing for people to hear the, the Bible taught. It's a good thing for people to be able to, to pray and to praise and to sing. Those are good things, but that's not why we need to go out and tell the world. We need to go out and tell the world because we have compassion on them, because we look at them and we realize the distress that their lives are in. And Jesus knew that the scope of his ministry wasn't just in this one moment. The scope of his ministry was everywhere he could possibly make an impact because everywhere he could possibly look, he saw that there were people who were scattered like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them and he prayed, Lord, send out workers into the harvest because there are people that need to know the truth of the gospel. And so to be perfectly clear, what is the scope of ministry for Daybreak Baptist Church? Who are we supposed to share the gospel with? As a church, what is our goal? Here's our goal. You ready? We would share the gospel everywhere and anywhere and every time we have an opportunity. Period. And if that's here within 100 feet of the sanctuary, praise God. If that means you're on a business trip halfway around the country and you share the gospel, praise God. But wherever we are, Jesus said as he went, so that I can preach there also. And wherever I am, may I share the truth of why I came. That's what his goal was. Probably would be a good goal for us. And so I want to ask you, 
You ready to expand the scope of your ministry? You ready to expand what you thought was possible? And if we could just get another 100 people in here, it'd be fantastic. No, I don't care if we have another 100 people in here. I pray that we have another 100 people in the kingdom because of what we do here. God will send those here that needs to be here. That's not the issue. The issue is will we be faithful in understanding the scope that God's given us to share the truth of his love and the opportunity for them to know peace in Christ. And if we'll do that, just one person a week, the course of a year we can tell Kern County that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Now, I can't make this decision for Fellowship Baptist Church or for Grace Baptist Church or for Valley Baptist Church or for any of our other churches, but I can say that as for me, I want to share the gospel every single week with somebody this year. Not a day go by, Lord, that I don't open my eyes and ask him, give me a chance to tell someone what you've done for me. And I pray that that would be the scope of ministry God calls you to. So that wherever you are, you'll preach the gospel there too. Because that's why we're here. Father, I pray for each one here this morning. Lord, it seems like such a huge Herculean task to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, but it starts with one more. It starts with one life. It starts with our faithfulness, Father. You didn't call us to an impossible task. You called us to something you expect of us. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like Jesus. To go to the other towns, too. To tell people about you right here. But to be willing, wherever we are, in whatever circumstance we are, give us the faith, Father, to trust you. And to be bold for you right there. Lord, I pray for each heart here this morning. I pray that everyone here is, understands what it means to be in a relationship with you. I pray that they've all had that moment where they've surrendered. But Lord, if there's someone here today that has never felt the sweetness that comes with knowing your complete forgiveness, Lord, if they've never known what it was like to know that all of the things that they've ever done wrong could be washed away, if they could have a fresh start, that they could have hope in you. If they've never known what it's like to, to be at peace with the God of the universe. Lord, this morning as we take this time to respond to you, give them the courage, Father, this morning to say, I, I want that in my life. I need to know that I'm okay with my Creator. Father, for your followers here, for those who are believers, make it perfectly clear to us, Lord, what you expect of us. Help us to see the scope of ministry that you've given us to not settle for small goals and weak dreams, but to be faithful where you put us. In Jesus' name.